Only two things on earth last forever, the word of God and the souls of people. Nothing is more powerful than connecting the word of God with the souls of people. Today, in war-torn North Africa, refugees are hearing God's word in their own language for the very first time. In South Asia, people are rising up to translate the Bible among their former enemies. This is what happens when the word of God transforms the souls of people. This is what Isaiah prophesied 2,700 years ago, that God's spirit would rest on a descendant of David and the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. 2,000 years ago, Jesus promised, you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. But millions are still waiting and they will wait until someone goes to them. The most spiritually impoverished people on earth have no church and no scripture They've never heard, never seen God speaking their language. Now is the time to cross every remaining language barrier to see churches using scripture to usher in the kingdom of God as the Holy Spirit transforms their lives. And you have a role to play. Don't miss it. morning, church. It's a real pleasure to share with you again here at Lakeside. It's been a while since we've been able to visit, so first let me give you an update about my family. Many of you know uh, not just me, but also my wife, Laura. As uh, Eric said, she's sharing in some of the Sunday school and with the children today. Um, We are officially empty nesters. Uh, My daughter, uh, Kayla, is a senior at Texas A&M University, and our son Eric is a freshman at the University of Texas at Dallas. You may remember our kids more like this. This is from the Lakeside Pictorial Directory when we were attending here in 2006. Uh, We're currently living in the Dallas, Texas area, although it's really, really good to be back in Springfield and area and uh, uh, here at Lakeside uh, where I grew up and in the 1970s and attended, as, as Eric said, uh, Glenwood High School. Although Laura, Laura, my wife, didn't grow up at Lakeside, she has also always felt loved here and enjoyed being part of the choir and in the worship team here. And how many of you who have been married remember your first date? Anyone? Maybe you went to a movie for the first date. Extra points, guys, if you can remember the name of that movie. Okay, you remember? Okay. (laughs) Maybe you went to a restaurant and had a romantic candlelit dinner. Or maybe you went somewhere even more romantic. Maybe you went to a high school basketball game or a football game in 30-degree weather. Well, for our first official date, Laura and I went to a meeting of missionaries meeting of missionaries with Pioneer Bible translators who were planning to go to Guinea, West Africa. And after that meeting, Laura and I both felt called to work with the Toma people of Guinea. So in 1996, we went to Guinea to work alongside the Toma people to translate the Bible into their language. 
And I'll be giving an update on the status of the translation in just a bit, but I wanted you all to know that your work and your partnership with us in the ministry of Pioneer Bible Translators has helped more than just the Toma people. You have made a huge impact for people around the world. As Eric said, in 2009, we came back to the States to take leadership positions with Pioneer Bible Translators while continuing to work on finishing the translation of the Toma Bible. I have been serving uh, the worldwide team of Pioneer Bible Translators as the as vice president alongside Greg Pruitt, who you saw in the video. Uh, and Laura has been serving as a translation consultant, helping other translation projects check and improve the quality of their translations. So Laura and I sincerely want to thank you for your 37 years of partnership in our ministry with Pioneer Bible Translators. Uh, in the 37 years that you've been uh, helping Pioneer Bible Translators, you've helped us grow from a ministry of 41 missionary teammates now to 625 as of last week. You've helped us grow from working in 11 languages to 115, working in only three countries to now working in 29 countries. And when I thought of how to thank you for your partnership and thank you here at Lakeside, I couldn't come up with, with better words than those from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the church at Philippi. He wrote in that letter, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul told the church at Philippi that he, he thanked God and he prayed with joy because of their partnership in the gospel. Paul had a long history with the church in Philippi. The church there was the first Christian church in Europe. Paul planted that church during his second missionary journey. And on his third missionary journey, he returned there again, and they gave generous gifts to support him in his ongoing ministry and also a gift to take back to the church in Jerusalem. On, on several other occasions, they sent money to Paul, as well as companions to support him and encourage him in his ministry, including while he was in prison in Rome. So when Paul wrote this letter to the church at Philippi, he thanked God for their generous gifts, and he thanked God and he thanked the Philippian church for their support for his ministry. In fact, the entire letter of the book of Philippians is a thank you letter and an encouragement letter from a missionary to a church. So what better scripture to look at this morning as I want to thank you and encourage you in our partnership. So let's dig into these verses a little more. In verse 5, Paul thanks God for the Philippians' partnership in the gospel. So what is the gospel? I, I think we, most of us know the gospel message. It's, the message. it's the good news, the message of what God has done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. Paul himself um, summarizes this gospel message in his letter, first letter to the Corinthian church. He said, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. 
Because of Jesus' death for our sins, we can have a relationship with a holy God. Because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, we can have the hope of eternal life. So that's the gospel message. So what is a partnership in the gospel? Well, partnership is the translation of a well-known Greek word, koinonia, that's also often translated fellowship or communion. So part of the message of the gospel is koinonia. We are adopted as children of God. We become part of God's eternal family, and, and here on earth, we become part of the body of believers, the church. From the first day that the Philippians heard the message of the gospel, they immediately recognized the implications of that message as a, a message of koinonia, that the message was not just for themselves, but it was for their family, for their community, and beyond. So partnership in the gospel means sharing the gospel message, sharing it as part of a community, and sharing it with those who are not yet part of the community. The Philippian church came alongside Paul to partner with him, to koinonia with him, in sharing the gospel message beyond their community. And just like them, Lakeside is a missions partner with, I believe, 10 organizations that are working towards a future where there is no place left on earth where the name of Jesus is not yet known. It's hard to believe that there are still some places on earth where the name of Jesus is not known. Pioneer Bible Translators is helping to send workers to a part of East Asia where there are 30 languages without a single verse of Scripture. One of our leaders to East Asia likes to ask the question wherever he goes, so have you heard of Jesus? Sadly, often the answer is, what is a Jesus? As if he were asking about some new technology or some new product. You are making it possible for people who have never heard of Jesus to know him as their savior. And this makes me confident just like Paul. He said, I thank my God every time I remember you. And he said, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So what is this good work that Paul's talking about? Well, the good work that he's talking about in verse 6 is the partnership in the gospel in verse 5. God began that partnership, and Paul is confident that he will bring it to completion on the day that Je until the day that Jesus returns. I don't like to go on and on about the Greek, but sometimes my Bible translator side comes out. So let me just say that in the entire book, book of Philippians, English translations have the word you about 80 times. But in English, it's sometimes hard to understand whether you refers to you, just one person, or you, more than one person. But in all but two places in the book of Philippians, the Greek word translated you means all of you, or like they say in Texas, all y'all. So a good translation of this verse would be, being confident in this, of this, that he who began a good work in or among or through all of you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul is saying that he is confident that God will bring to completion the work that he began in each of the Philippians' lives, but also through all of them 
in their koinonia, in their partnership with Paul, in their, through their generous gifts, through their emotional and, super, uh, and, and emotional support of his ministry, and that God will finish what he started among the Philippians. Paul goes on in the rest of his letter to, to thank, not only thank the Philippians, but also give a report of the results of their partnership, the results of the good work that God began through them. So just like Paul the missionary thanking the church and giving a report, this morning I would like to thank you here at Lakeside and give a report on how God has been completing the good work that he began through you in partnering with, with us in the ministry of Pioneer Bible Translators. First, I want you to know that God is completing the good work that he began through you among the Toma people of Guinea. In 1996, as I said, we went to Guinea to work alongside the Toma people to translate the Bible in their language. We were for 26 years translating every verse, checking it, revising it multiple times, all 31,102 verses of the Bible. Your prayers and support carried us through many difficult times. You carried us through sickness through spiritual and physical attacks, through periods of civil unrest, through the Ebola epidemic and the COVID pandemic. You, you carried us through uh, uh, evacuations through, uh, caused by coups and even civil wars. You supported us as we raised two children and as we saw with joy the word of God come to life for the Toma people. So praise God with me today, you have helped us finish the translation of the entire Bible in the Toma language. Praise God. So this binder contains a printout of the entire text of the Toma Bible. A few we, uh, just a couple months ago, we sent this off to the pr printers to be published. And just a couple weeks ago, we approved the digital proofs of that. And so just in, hopefully in the next few days, next weeks, uh, the Toma Bibles will start rolling off the presses. But of course, we hope it's going to be a lot smaller and nicer than this. We don't expect the Toma people to, to lug this to church every Sunday. This is a, a picture from 2014 from another dedication ceremony, the dedication of another portion of the, uh, gospel, uh, the, the scriptures in Toma, the books of Genesis through 2 Samuel. But in June of next year, June of 2023, the Toma people are planning a huge celebration to dedicate and celebrate the publication of the whole Bible in Toma. They're already planning uh, a huge parade through the regional capital, and they're expecting, expecting thousands of people to come to celebrate this momentous event in the history of the Toma Church and the Toma people. Last year, I was given an item from the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. If you've ever been to the Museum of the Bible, you'll know that they have a collection of over 400,000 items and artifacts from the history of the Bible. And on the fourth floor of the museum, there's a room with a display of, of, the Bible, uh, of a Bible or New Testament in every language that they have, they have been able to acquire. But for those languages that don't yet have a Bible or a New Testament, there's a book like this. If you open this book up, it's empty inside. 
So I received this copy as they were remodeling that space. But if you go there to the Museum of the Bible in about six months, in the place of a blank Bible like this, you are going to see the Toma Bible. You here at Lakeside have made that possible. So I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you did a good job. You did a good job. <laughs> Earlier this year, I went back to Guinea for two months to help produce a dramatized audio recording of the Toma New Testament. In this way that the, the Toma people who cannot read will be able to, to hear Scripture, have access to Scripture in their own language. And in addition to reading, being able to read the printed Bible, Toma people will be able to read and hear the Bible on scripture apps and on other listening devices. And when I showed the Toma Bible app to Paul Boatman a couple of weeks ago at the missionary convention, he said that I had to show this all to you. So I have a brief video that illustrates the, the Toma Bible app. And this is going to be playing from the resurrection, the story of the resurrection of Lazarus. And Jesus and Martha will be speaking. And as they speak, the text will be highlighted. Yes, you are the man. Ever well, as cool as the Thomas Scripture app is, our work will not be finished with the publishing of the Bible or the recording of the scripture and the distribution on telephone apps. Our work will not be finished uh, until the whole, all the Toma people are actually using scripture. And Pioneer Bible translators, our vision is not just to translate the Bible in every language. Our vision is transformed lives through God's word in every language. Our work is not finished until there is a network of churches using Scripture to grow, mature, and multiply, transforming people's lives and transforming their whole community and even their culture. One example of the impact of the translated words, words of, Word of God actually comes from our Toma colleague on the translation project, Pastor Jeremy Onivogi. And I have a brief video of him telling the story in his own words. Me e keke idalia nagevega gada u raplini gikel pleu. Igera mumusu avana masada. Tuavazu gida grada gida grada wera subu subu. Na playi gada subu gigada wera. Tomaton toesulani. Toesulani ningibusu edameni. Ega avenazuga ningima seva lari gitititi feide ni azo nurisoso. Naikia, Toblagi, Nimavani, Kalina Blagi, Gidalve, Gipa Gadagra. Toma, the Tina Egidalveni, Ezuina Nama Egra, Mazilizama, Toblagi, Kuzuneve, Sebasuve, Grada Urafazo, now I never give it a Neblagi plague, Mimbe, Gagada Ula Tafara Ekia Gia Dagra, Gagada Urazilima, Hayagasu Egidalia, Gramamana Vazo. Praise God for the impact of his word on, on Pastor Jeremy's uncle. 
One of the other Toma pastors uh, on the Transla Toma Translation Revision Committee shared his perspective on the Toma Translation. He said, when I eat rice with my hands and mouth, I do it very well. But when it comes to the word of God, I eat it with my ears. We don't just translate the word of God um, uh, so that we, we, translate, we translate the word of God so that when people hear the message of God, the message about Christ, they will actually understand it. Or to use the Toma pastor's analogy, it is digestible to their ears. But having scripture in their heart language also tells people that God speaks their language. The message is not just for other people, but it's for them. And what ultimately convinced Pastor Jeremy's uncle that the message was true was not just that he could understand it, but he saw the message lived out in the lives of his relatives and the lives of other Toma people. We need to do that too. We need to share the gospel message, not just by reading it, but by living it out in community. You are God's living word, translating the printed word into the lives of people. Like the story of Jeremy's uncle shows, life transformation in discipleship doesn't have to wait until a translation is completed. I can't help but thinking about the Naas people of North Africa. Many of the Naas people of, of North Africa left their homeland in 2011 because of a civil war and they became refugees in neighboring countries. Until just a few years ago, there were only a handful of Naas Christians, and there were no Naas Christians meeting together. Now, Pioneer Bible Translators missionaries were living in some of these refugee camps alongside the Naas people, but they had gone there to translate the Bible for other people groups, not the Naas. But one day, the missionaries met a Naas man named Hakim. Hakim had suffered greatly for his faith as a Christian. He had even once had his toenails pulled out as a punishment for trying to share Jesus with his community. Hakim told the missionaries, now is the time to translate the Bible for my people. But Hakim wasn't sure how to actually write his language. So Hakim and the missionaries held a workshop with the other refugees to study the language and develop a beginning alphabet and to study the grammar of the language. Shortly after that workshop, three young Naas men came to the missionaries with a surprising request. They said, we want to know more about following Jesus. And Jesus hadn't even been mentioned in the, in the workshop, but they knew that, about, that, that they were there for Jesus. They, but they wanted to meet with the missionaries in secret because they were afraid of their Muslim neighbors. And they started reading scripture as it was being translated, freshly translated, they would read scripture and study it together with the missionaries. And then they would take those scriptures and they would start sharing it with other people. But they continued to do all of this in secret. But eventually the secret got out and the Naas religious leaders and political leaders called a big meeting and they told the missionaries to come. One of the missionaries came with a backpack and at the meeting he opened the backpack and pulled out some of the fruits of this workshop that they'd held, the new alphabet and some, some stories, traditional stories in the Naas language that they had re recorded and written down. 
And then he explained their plan to train literacy teachers so that all of the Na'as people would be able to, to read and write their language. Well, the Na'as leaders were ecstatic at this historic development for their people that their language would actually be written down and transmitted to their children. And so the chief gave permission for the young people to continue to meet together. So they continued to meet together to read scriptures, and then they started singing Christian songs. And more and more of their neighbors became interested, and so then the religious leaders called another meeting. But at this meeting, the chief stood up and said, I have seen a difference in these young people's lives. I want to see a Christian church in every Na'as village. One of the early Na'as believers was a young woman named Jihad. She began reading scriptures with other women and praying with them and discipling them. And some of those young, uh, women have gone on to form groups of their own and the gospel is spreading among the Na'as. I love this picture from one of the Na'as churches. There on the ground is a set of two drums made from tank artillery shells. You can see the burn marks on the, after they've been used. In one of the videos I saw from this church, they were actually singing songs about peace while playing these drums. They had turned instruments of war into instruments of worship. From a people group with, with no churches living in refugee camps, Na'as people are now meeting several times a week in four different refugee camps, reading scripture together, praying in the name of Jesus, and worshiping God. In the midst of a region devastated by war and conflict, Na'as people's lives are being transformed through the translated word of God. Like the Na'as people, in most places where Pioneer Bible Translators works, people are suffering from trauma. Trauma that has been caused by war, by disease, by natural disasters, by persecution or other crises. And in more and more of these places, we are leading workshops using scripture stories of pain and redemption to show people that God can heal them. In another refugee camp in North Africa, one of our missionaries, who I will call Judith, was leading one of these trauma healing workshops, gathering together eight pastors who had suffered through many years of a terrible civil war. They had already spent many days uh, wrestling with the goodness of God and the fallenness of creation. They had composed laments to God following the example of the psalmists and the prophets. But today the lesson was about Jesus and forgiveness. One of the pastors named Abdul didn't want to have anything to, to do with this. He didn't want to hear about forgiveness. He stood up and said, Have you seen the bombs fall? Have you seen them kill our mothers and fathers and our children? And then he turned to Judith and said, How can you come here and talk about forgiveness? There will be no forgiveness for a hundred years for what they have done to our people. Judith prayed silently for wisdom and then she said, You're right. I wasn't there when the bombs fall. I, I wasn't there when you were hiding in caves, hungry, and, and uh, without medical treatment, fearing for your lives. But God was there. God saw what happened. Well, class ended abruptly that day after only 15 minutes, and 
Judith wondered whether anyone would even come back the next day. But all eight of the pastors did come back, and, and Judith handed each of them a list of scriptures, and she said, go off by yourselves and read these scriptures, and then tell God everything that is on your hearts, and then listen to what he has to say to you. Well, the pastors went off, and they wrestled with these verses for about an hour and a half, and then they came back, and Abdul was the first one to stand up and speak. He said, now I understand I don't know how I am going to do it, and I'm not sure I can, but now I understand that I need to forgive my enemies. Pray for me. Pray that God will change my heart and help me to forgive. And all the other pastors gathered around and laid hands on him and prayed for him. So pray for Abdul and people like him who have suffered trauma. Pray that God would open hearts to use his word to heal these deep wounds of trauma. Pray that God would finish the work, that this good work that he has begun among the Naas people and among people suffering from trauma. Well, these stories need to be repeated many, many times, thousands of times for the work to be finished. Right now, there are about 7,400 languages in the world, and just over 1,600 languages still need a Bible translation to begin. What is exciting is that in some places, people, groups, and languages that have received a Bible translation are now becoming Bible, translation, Bible translators and missionaries for other people. 35 years ago, the Aduamu people of Papua New Guinea had no Bible, no scripture in their language. Over the decades, Pioneer Bible translators, missionaries, and a group of Ottawa leaders translated God's word, and in 2004, the New Testament was published. And just last year, the whole Bible was published by the Ottawa people. From the beginning time when they first started getting scripture, Ottawa believers have planted over 20 churches among their people. They also started a Bible college, and just this last year had their first five graduates. Now they are helping other language groups in Papua New Guinea translate the Bible in their language. They're sending missionaries to other people groups in their own country and even to other countries. What is amazing to me is that the entire population of the Aduwamu people is less than 10,000 people. The word of God has transformed this small people group from a mission project into a powerful mission partner. Earlier I mentioned that Pioneer Bible Translators was working in 115 languages. Two of these 115 languages are Nicaraguan Sign Language and Moldovan Sign Language. In addition to American Sign Language, there are almost 400 sign languages for the deaf around the world totally different from each other. Only American Sign Language has a translation of the full Bible, recorded and distributed in video form. One of our deaf teammates shares that even though he can read English very well, he can't always understand the printed Bible in English. But when he sees the American Sign Language Bible in video form, everything makes sense and scripture comes alive for him. As part of what, what remains to be done, Pioneer Bible, tra Bible Translators is planning to start 200 more spoken and sign language projects. 
other Bible translation organizations that we're partnering with have similar, similar goals. And until I got sick last week, I was supposed to be attending a summit of all the largest Bible translation organizations and many other partners. Over the last 13 years, we have been working together with increasing cooperation so that there will be no languages left on earth where people do not have access to, uh, to Scripture in a language that they can understand. The entire Bible translation movement is energized now to finish the task with an unprecedented unity. So you live now during this strategic and historic moment in time when it is possible to sprint across the finish line, where there are no languages left without scripture, where there is no people left without a witness. As the prophet Habakkuk said, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We happen to be alive with this, when this is actually happening and you are making this possible. During the entire 37 years that I have been serving with Pioneer Bible Translators and during the 26 years that Laura and I have been working on the Toma translation, you have sustained us with your generous gifts and your prayers. You, more than anyone else by far, you have been more involved, more generous, and more encouraging than any other partner. So if the Toma people were here today, they would want you to know how much it has meant for them to them for you to have helped them get the Bible in their language. So I want to thank you using the words of the Toma people on, be, on their behalf. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, thank you very, very, very much. I'd like to close with a, a prayer of blessing over you, a prayer that actually comes from the same letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. In the closing words of his, his letter, he said, your gifts are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. 